Our Father, thank you for that amazing promise that we just heard sung to us, uh, that you promised the counselor, the paraclete, the, inter- the one who comes alongside. We're so grateful for the Holy Spirit, that we are not alone, but that your presence is with us through him. And we pray now that you would pour out the Spirit, that same Spirit, on us right now in the reading and preaching of your word, that you would use your word not just to influence our minds, but to transform our hearts. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, church. Uh, So good to see all of you guys here. I'm Corey. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you've been with us at all the last couple weeks, you'll know that uh, we started a new sermon series called The Questions of Jesus. And what this series is about is we're trying to look at a number of really fascinating stories about Jesus in which he asks a question. He has hundreds of questions in the Gospels, 307 to be exact. Um, And with these questions, he is seeking to get into the souls of those that he addresses, to open a door, if you will. The questions serve like keys to open a door so that we might discover new things about him, about God, about his kingdom, and about even ourselves. Um, And so I want you to consider that Jesus asked these questions, not just to the people that we read about in this text, but even to you, and that you would take time during the series to really hear that the address of Jesus Christ to you personally. So we're fortunate to have um, Aaron Rose, who's our pastoral intern right now, um, as our preacher this morning. Um, And Kathleen Mills is our scripture reader. There she is. And Kathleen will be reading from Mark chapter 5, verses 24 through 34. You can find that in your bulletins on page 8, or you can open your Bibles that are there in the pews. Let's hear God's word. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. So glad to be here with you this morning. It is indeed a privilege and an honor to stand before you to proclaim God's holy word. I am especially looking forward to sharing the truths found in this passage with you. Since I've spent time in this text and preparing for this sermon series, this story has sunken deep down into my bones. I deeply identify with this uh, 
unnamed woman in scripture who had been suffering with a chronic illness for many, many years. And because of that had been an object of isolation. And while I've not had a chronic illness, I can identify with feeling like on the outside, feeling like I'm being rejected by those I would consider family or friends. So I pray that you would hear these words, and if you walk away with anything, that you would walk away with the knowledge that Jesus has time for you. Just as Jesus had time for this unnamed woman, Jesus has time for you. So I would love to, if you would keep open uh, page eight in your bulletin so you can follow along. I don't have slides, but it would honor me greatly if you would follow along. We're gonna, we're gonna do this line by line, like an old school Bible study. I promise I will keep this within the time limits. I mean, loosely within the time limits. I said, whoa, promise. The Holy Spirit was like, you lying to the people. Okay. Okay, before we jump in, I want to give a little bit of background. So the word is building about Jesus. Jesus has accomplished, done some really amazing miracles at this point. He's healing sick. He's um, restoring sight to the blind. Most recently, according to the gospel narrative of Mark, he's cast out a thousand demons out of a man. So here's what happened. Just a brief aside. I love this story. So uh, there's this man, a madman who is um, off in a remote place and he's cutting himself. No man can bind him, acting really ridiculous and crazy. And Jesus cast a bunch of demons out, out of the man and into a herd of pigs. And then the herd of pigs lose their minds now and they jump off a cliff and drown. It's just such a weird story. So yeah, Jesus has just finished doing that. And uh, Jairus, um, who is a leader in the synagogue, he is a member of the religious elite, a well-to-do person, I'm sure, a person of great respect and with considerable amounts of authority. His daughter is sick. Now, in the scriptural narrative, I know Jesus did some teaching in the synagogue, um, so he probably had decent relationships with the leaders of the synagogue, but I also feel like Jesus comes at the Christian elite pretty hard, and um, maybe the relationships weren't as um, copacetic as people might like for them to be. But Jairus realizes that he's in a desperate situation. And all through this story, we see that desperate times call for desperate measures. So Jairus sends his fellows out to Jesus to say, Jesus, come back and heal Jairus' daughter. She's sick almost unto death. So they go and they find Jesus. Jesus says, of course, I'll go. So Jesus and the brothers is on the way. And um, while Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house, a crowd starts pressing in on Jesus. Because just like Jairus, they had heard that Jesus was a miracle worker and they wanted a piece of that pie. So among those that had heard about Jesus and desired to see what's this all about, we are jumping into verse 24. It says, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. Jesus was on the way to Jairus' house. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. Verse 25, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. This woman was among those that had heard tell of this healer, teacher, man. Now, this woman was sick with a chronic illness 
That meant she had been dealing with this with no relief for years and years and years. And in that culture, if you want, you can turn to Leviticus 15 later and uh, see if I'm saying the right thing. But Leviticus chapter 15 outlines a series of laws and regulations for those that are experiencing discharges. There's some for men and there's a lot for women. And so when you're experiencing a discharge, whether that's of the normal variety or the abnormal extended variety, you are considered unclean. And so when you are considered unclean, you are unable to go about your life as normal. Because if you are considered ceremonial, ceremonially unclean, if anybody touches you, they become unclean. If you touch anybody else, they become unclean. And when you're unclean, you can't go into the temple of God. And that's where the presence of God was at that time. You can't go and offer worship and praise. You can't go and offer your sacrifices. Not only that, can you imagine being unclean and having nobody be able to touch you? And this woman had had this chronic condition for 12 years. And not only that, so she had to wait until the hemorrhaging stopped. But for her, the hemorrhaging didn't stop. But she also, once it did stop, she needed a high priest, I'm sorry, she needed a priest to go on her behalf to offer a sacrifice for her in order for her to be declared clean, in order for her to be declared whole and to be reinstated back to society. If we look at verse 26, it says, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Now this woman who had an issue of blood, a hemorrhage, who had been bleeding for 12 years, had not only been feeling sick for a long time, but she'd been pushed to the outside. Like I said before, she wasn't allowed to touch anybody and nobody was allowed to touch her. Anywhere she sat was declared unclean. Anywhere she lied down was unclean. So can you imagine if she had a husband and kids? For her to be sick for 12 years meant that her husband couldn't touch her, her kids couldn't wrap their arms around her, she couldn't share a bed with her husband, she couldn't share furniture with her family. That pushed her further and further on the outside. She couldn't resume her duties as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, as a productive member of society. So as time went on and on and on, she went further and further and further out. Now, I, am, I can imagine that at the very beginning, she said, okay, no problem. This is lasting a little bit longer than it normally does. I'm going to go to the doctor. So she goes to the first doctor and she says, doctor, doctor, I need some help. Do you have something that can fix me? And the doctor says, absolutely no problem. I got something for you. Why don't you take these two pills um, and uh, call me in the morning and that'll be $50. It's not dollars because it's Bible times, but just go with me for this example. And then she does what he says, but she, she doesn't get any better. She feels a little bit worse. She says, you know what, I'm going to get a second opinion. And so she goes and gets a second opinion. And that doctor says, oh, that fellow over there is a fool. I got something for you. Here, do this thing and then pay me $75. I'm an expert, so you pay me a little bit more. You do that and then call me in the morning and see how you feel. She felt no better. She had a third opinion, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a tenth, a twentieth, until she had spent everything that she had. 
The text says that she endured much under many physicians. So I'm sure as time went on, the procedures got more and more taxing. The procedures got more and more draining. She was being drained of her vitality. She was being drained of her life. She was being drained financially. And not only was she being drained, she was being, as time went on, she was further and further on the outside. She had to feel so far from the family of God, so far from the house of God. It'd been so long since she's been to the temple. It'd been so long since she had been able to go to the market and shop for herself. So maybe she started out paying for the doctors herself, and then she turned to some family members from help, and they helped while they, while they could. But then after that, the family member said, sister, we ain't got nothing else to give you. So maybe she turned to outside sources saying, if you could spare a little change, maybe you could spare a little change. And listen, she was lonely. She was on the outside. There's one, being lonely is one thing. Being rejected is one thing. Being isolated is one thing. But honey, being lonely and broke is another thing altogether. And she was sick and lonely and broke. For 12 years, she'd visited doctor after doctor, trying to find a way to be healed. Nothing they did work. Each trip to a different doctor, hoping, wishing, praying that maybe this one might have an answer for her. She had to scrape up money. Maybe she had to beg. Maybe she had to sell her possessions. 12 years without a family support. 12 years without a loving embrace, 12 years without the intentional touch of, a, of another human, 12 years of possibly being an object of revulsion, 12 years of people saying, why can't she just get it together? 12 years of, of people saying, well, maybe if she just tried a little bit harder, maybe if she just prayed a little bit harder, she wouldn't have the issue that she has. 12 years of being invisible, 12 years of being ignored, 12 years of being dismissed, 12 years of being stepped over, 12 years of being looked through, 12 years, 12 years of being exhausted every single day. And who among us can imagine the mental state of this woman? I'm sure she woke up every single day hoping and wishing and praying that things would be different, hoping and wishing and praying that her body would be healed, hoping and praying to the God of heaven, God, please do something. I'm tired. She might have woken up every single day saying, God, take me now. I cannot bear the weight of this any longer. It's not hard for me to believe that this woman was in a desperate place and desperate times call for desperate measures. She does the unthinkable. She says, listen, I've tried doctor after doctor after doctor. She sees Jesus amongst the crowd and she figures I've got to get to him. I've tried everything else. And honey, that resonates with me. Because there's been time after time I've tried to cure my own soul's diseases with various physicians. Where I've tried to quiet the noise of my own heart in the arms of any lover that would come along. When there's been times, or maybe some of you can identify with this, where we eat and we eat and we eat until we're full and stuffed because feeling full is better than feeling empty. 
or we're turning up the glass of whiskey or the glass of wine more often than we should because that little buzz is better than the pain of rejection. See, we've tried all of these different things. We've tried all of these different doctors. We've tried all of these false counterfeit physicians and they've left us worse off than we were before. Because when the lover leaves and when the bottles are empty, we're left with ourselves and we're left with our pain. So this woman is in a desperate place. This woman is in a place where she says, I've got to do something. I can't go on this way. She does the unthinkable. She hears that Jesus is blowing through town. She sees the crowds of people pressing all around Jesus. She's heard about the miraculous things that Jesus has done. And she presses into the crowd. Remember that I said in Leviticus, if she touches anybody, they're unclean. And if anybody touches her, they are unclean. Like, it's just, you don't do that. She was violating the law. But I'm sure, I'm sure she thought she was in a broken enough place that said, listen, I have to try this man, Jesus. There's something different about him than all the ones that have come before. I have to at least try because if he's as powerful as everyone says he is, if he's as mighty as everyone says he is, all I have to do is touch his cloak and I'll be made whole and verse 27 it says when she had heard about Jesus she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought if I just touch his clothes I will be healed and verse 29 it says immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering she touches the hem of Jesus' robe and is immediately healed. She knows in an instant, in a moment, that what she's been waiting for, what she's been longing for, what she's been asking for, what she's been hoping for, what she's been looking for in every possible location, that need has been met in an instant, in a moment. She's encountered Jesus and everything forever has changed. So she's immediately aware that she was, uh, that her bleeding had stopped and that she was freed from her suffering. But here's something that's really cool. In verse 30, it says, at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. It's amazing that in a moment, with all the other people crowding around him, pressing in on him, in a moment, those two people's worlds collide. This woman who had been nothing to no one, she was, she was worse, she was less than a person, she was nothing, she was invisible, she was ignored, she was on the outside, stepped over, looked, looked past, looked through, ignored. Her world collided with the world of the king of, of the universe and everything changed. At once, Jesus is aware that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? And here's the question of the morning. Why would Jesus ask that? Even the disciples in verse 31, they say, listen, brother, you see the people crowding against you. And yet you can ask who touched me, but there was something different about her touch. And as I was looking through this text, as I was praying through it, I was thinking, Lord, why did this woman's touch catch Jesus' attention? Because one thing that we know is that Jesus doesn't do anything apart from what he sees the Father doing. 
So it was the Father's will that this woman's touch is the one that Jesus recognized. People were all around. Why hers? When this woman was trying so desperately to keep a low profile, what is God revealing about himself? What is God revealing about his nature? Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house, the house of a, of a respectable person, a leader in the synagogue who had a very real need. His daughter was about to die. But this woman's healing caused Jesus to stop in his tracks and say, who touched me? Jesus, in asking this question, is letting the world know that he's calling this woman out. When saying, who touched my clothes, he's asking for her to be identified. It says, the, the disciples said, brother, what you talking about? Who touched you? Everybody's touching you. In verse 32, it says, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. He was looking for her. He sought her out until she identified herself. And the woman couldn't resist his call any longer. She comes forth. And listen, Jesus, the reason why I believe, the reason why Jesus was stopped in his track, the reason why it was the Father's will that this woman caught Jesus' attention was so that everyone would see, so that the world would see that Jesus came expressly for those who were just like this woman. Jesus came expressly for those who are on the outside. Jesus came expressly for those for the downtrodden. He came expressly for those who have no resources. He came expressly for those who were poor. He came expressly for those who are in need of healing. And y'all, there's a little bit of her in each one of us. We are all in need of something. We are all broken and we are all ailing from something. We might look good this morning and y'all do look good. But Jesus can discern the, even the darkest places in your heart. Jesus knows what you need. Jesus can see into that. And what I want you all to know today is that Jesus has time for you. Just as Jesus took time, he stopped in his tracks. Not only did he stop in his tracks, he called the woman forth. Not only did he call her forth, when she took her time getting herself together, he turned and he looked for her and looked for her and looked for her because he said, no, the world has got to see. I came to seek and to save those who are lost. The healthy don't need a physician. It's the sick. The righteous don't need a savior. It's a sinner and that's who I am here for. So would we all today hear the word that Jesus has time for us? And so this woman who has been on the outside, she cannot stay in hiding amongst the crowd any longer. The Messiah who just healed her is asking who touched him. She might be thinking, um, maybe somebody else got healed. Maybe, I mean, a lot of people were touching him. There's a lot going on. Surely this can't fall to me. Certainly I can't be the only one. Even his disciples are looking at him like he's crazy. 
He can't mean me. But to me, because we are created by God and in God's image and his handprint is on us, when God is beckoning to us specifically, there's something in us that knows that there's a need to respond. So I believe that that woman could not help but to respond. So it says in verse 33, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. She comes forward and tells him everything. Aware that she could face some serious consequences for what she did. Here is a woman who was probably used to being treated like nothing, to be seen as an object of revulsion, a pariah. She'd broken the law. She did. She broke the law. She wasn't supposed to touch anybody, but she touched the most important somebody that there was. But she knew in her body, she knew within herself that she'd been changed. And maybe to her, any punishment that was coming was worth the freedom that she knew that she now had. Before, she'd been a dead woman walking an object to be avoided, but now she'd been healed and the one who'd healed her was calling out for her. She had to respond. And not only does Jesus call her out, not only does he look for her, but he listens. It says that she came forward, fell at his feet, and told him the whole truth. Now 12 years of truth is a lot of truth to tell. (laughs) Jesus was on his way somewhere. But he stopped and he had time for her. He listened to her. He knew he was on assignment for people just like her. He knew that he was ushering in a kingdom for people just like her. He stopped and he listened to her to show that he doesn't just care about the respectable folks, although he does. He also cares about the unrespectable, the misfits, the outsiders, the broken, the lost, the sick, the lame, the blind, the broken, the anxious, the rejected, the fearful, the depressed, the betrayed, the forsaken. Jesus is here for you. If you find yourself numbered in that list, if you're saying, yep, that's me. Yep, I'm by myself. Yes, my heart has been broken. Yes, I've been cast to the outside. Hear these words. Jesus is here for you. He has time. Won't you press on into him? In verse 34, it says, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Remember how we talked about how she was a member of the family of God technically, but could not fully participate in what it meant to be a member of the family of God, but here in front of everyone. Jesus calls her daughter. He says, go, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Jesus invites her into his family. And that's a beautiful invitation that's extended to us today because in this, passion, in this passage, there are words of comfort and challenge to each of us. Because just like this woman, uh, this woman, she needed, remember I said, this woman needed a priest to pronounce her clean. 
She needed to go through all the, whatever it took for her to become clean. And then she had to go to the priest and the priest would offer the sacrifice for her and then call her clean. And then she could come into the assembly of the people. But what she didn't quite know at that time and what we now know is that she encountered the great high priest. And that great high priest stepped, to in, stepped into his rightful role and says, daughter, you are now made clean. She didn't have to wait for nobody else. You are made clean and you have access to the family of God. And that's what Jesus does for each of us. Because we have each, because we are a part of this world, we are each unclean. And rightfully so. We are unclean. We should see ourselves as separate from, from the holiness and righteousness of God. But Jesus extends the invitation to us. He says, son, daughter, come to me in faith. Be healed through your faith. Hear this invitation into the family of God. From now on, nobody else can call you unclean. No one else can call you unholy. No one else can call you unrighteous because I call you clean. I make you holy. And I put my righteousness on you as a robe. Hear that word for us. That's a word of comfort. But also hear this word of challenge. You see, the people that had pushed this woman to the outside were obeying the law. They were following the letter of the law. They were doing what they were supposed to. They were being faithful. The woman was unclean. What were they to do? But I think if we see in scripture how Jesus is himself the fulfillment of the law, and extends invitation to anyone who would come to him in faith. It is my prayer that we would do the same. I would like for each of us to consider who we've pushed to the outside. Who we've said, you're not clean enough, you're not good enough, you're not holy enough, you're not righteous enough to belong here. Stay away. Who have we excluded from the table that the master has prepared? Father, forgive us for thinking that the table that is set before us, we have had anything to do with. For truly, the table that we all enjoy a place of, of honor at, is, in, is the invitation to that table is extended to everyone. So let us ask ourselves this week as we go throughout our week, who are we providing access, who are we giving access to, and who are we taking access away from? And as we go about this world as Christians, as little Christs, as it were, who gets access to our Jesus? Who's easy for us to ignore? Who's easy for us to walk away from? Would we be honest with ourselves and with our God about that? And would we be like Jesus? Would we stop and see those who are broken, who are hurt, who are afraid who have spent all their resources trying to find healing, who have been rejected, who have been despised, who have been betrayed, will we see them and look on them with compassion as Jesus did with this woman? Jesus has time. Jesus is the great physician. The place where you need healing is not too far gone for Jesus to skip over it. Jesus said it's not the healthy that need a doctor but the sick. He didn't come for the righteous but the sinner. Jesus wants you to be whole.
and hear the invitation to rest. Jesus offers a rest from our deepest brokenness, but also a rest from our isolation, whether others have done it or we've done it ourselves. And some of you in this room can identify deeply with this woman's chronic illness, either because you have a chronic illness or yourself or a loved one does. And Jesus' invitation to his beautiful family extends to you as well. It is a lamentable truth that in our bodies uh, is made manifest the brokenness of the world. In the systems and the spirit of this world, there are heartaches, there are illnesses, violence, and gloom. The world subjects its inhabitants to a life of suffering. Even Jesus himself in John chapter 16 says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And in this life of suffering, please know that Jesus sees, has always seen, and will continue to see you. And that in every moment of suffering, Jesus has suffered right along with you. He's seen every tear that's fallen. He knows every disappointment. He knows and understands the pain of rejection, the hurt of betrayal, the wounding of unmet expectations. Jesus, our great high priest, knows this and suffers with us. But he gives with us the pro- he gives to us the promise that this world this life is not the end. And that there will be a time and that day is coming when the limitations that are imposed on us by this world we will be able to fully break free from. And there will no longer be any sickness, any sadness, no more tears, no more fighting, no more brokenness. Everything will be whole and beautiful and well as God intended. Brothers and sisters, hear hear these words. Jesus has time for you. Would you pray with me? Father, we do thank you for your spirit and your presence here. You are eternally exalted and glorified and we thank you that you desire to be with us. We thank you that you give us access to you, that you invite us to your family, no matter where we come from, no matter what we've, did, what, no matter what we've done. You see us, you know us, and you love us, and you invite us in. Father, there are so many of us in this room that have turned to other physicians for healing. God, I pray that you would turn our hearts towards you and that we would truly see you in increasing measure as the great physician, as the only one who can satisfy. Lord, would you heal today? Would you satisfy today? Would you bring comfort today? Would you bring healing to our hearts, to our souls, to our minds, and yes, even to our bodies? Would your kingdom break through in healing for your people in this house, God? We do love you. We do praise you. We do glorify you. And it's in Christ's name we all say amen. Amen.